Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome to episode 159A of Tales with TR, and guess who the fuck I am? I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. It's great to be with you again after a phenomenal weekend, a fantastic week, and a great guest as well. So thanks again to Tessa Bonham. Lots of great feedback there. I had to get more women off the from the national program. We'll get Maggie Connors on here now soon. She's on her way up. Um, played a little bit, got her feet wet with the uh, Canada Hockey Experience last summer and uh, just graduated from Princeton. So congrats to Maggie Connors there. But uh, Tessa, yeah, I got a lot of... Fantastic feedback, especially when I went out, honestly, last week or dude, Friday and Saturday. Um, yeah, a lot of people commented. A lot of people I ran into on George Street. For those that haven't been here, I mentioned George Street a lot. It's, uh, you know, it's just bars and restaurants down around that George Street, Water Street, Duckworth Street, downtown St. John's, basically. And uh, it's always popping to some degree compared to everywhere else in town. But, uh, you know, the summertime just really kicks off and the weather just opened up. It always takes a while here in Newfoundland, right? It might be like 20 degrees, but they still get that cold in the air because, and not that it was now, we had a real bad first couple of weeks of, of June. Um, but, you know, and May is often shitty because the, the, the ice is in the water and the water is flowing by. Like our part of the Atlantic is really, well, our part... <laughs> I mean, much of the Atlantic Ocean is going to be real cold, but I'm saying, <clears throat> you know, I've been to L.A. and Vancouver in the summer, which would be the Pacific Ocean. Yes, I know before I get DMs on that, but uh, it's much warmer. And there's parts of the Atlantic that are much warmer, but we're, we're literally, you know, we're into our summer and there's still ice floating by in the water. So it makes for a cold breeze, especially if the water, if the wind is coming off the water and a lot of fog and stuff like that but this time of year it starts to open up there's less and less i don't think there's any ice left and um and again when i say that in the form of icebergs right and i look out i mean in march you can see lots of ice but you know 
then it becomes for a month, you know, seeing an iceberg is, is a unique, there's enough and there's a website and you can go and check it out and track it down and with icebergs come, you know, whales and seals and activity and all that. But, um, you know, the, the, the point is that whole process every year, even if there's not a whole lot of ice in the water, it's cold, it's cold. Right. And, uh, so, but you usually second, third week in June, definitely by now, which is exactly what happened. It's uh, last few days have been mid twenties Celsius, and uh, you know it's t-shirt shorts, beach weather. So, uh, but uh, outside of that, man, and um, you know there was Iceberg Alley. So people were asking me about Iceberg Alley because I mentioned it. And people were watching my stories on my Instagram and um, and I guess Facebook. I don't go to Facebook much. I barely go to Twitter at all. Um, I find Twitter poisonous and Facebook is mostly my, not mostly, it's mostly either people I don't know or real close friends and family. You know what I mean? So. Most of those, you know, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, most people, the people that I really want to interact with on Facebook, they have got my phone number. So when I'm posting on Facebook, it's usually just stuff from Instagram that I'm putting, and the rest of people, they follow me because of the podcast or Shorzy or whatever. So I make sure to update people. But my Facebook isn't exactly the most personal. I don't know if you, you know, in that I'm, I'm posting a lot of public things and things for my podcast. And whatever it might be, which is fine. Everybody uses it for different reasons. But um, anyway, so uh, and to the people are mostly most of my Newfoundland friends have me on Facebook. So I often forget that I'm talking to a crowd that often doesn't know when I say George Street, what I'm talking about. Um, well, Iceberg Alley. They put this off every year. When I say they, I'll find out. Uh, so Molson's is a sponsor. Um, I know Browning Harvey Pepsi's a sponsor. Uh, okay, hold on. I should really find out more about it in that who's running it. But anyway, uh, it's phenomenal. So here's what we had last week. This is June 14th to 24th. This happens. This will happen again in September. And then George Street Festival run by different people, but will be the same sort of thing. So it's generally three bands a night, right? Doors open at six, Riceberg Alley. So there was Sugar Ray, Soul Asylum, Vertical Horizon, Lee Aaron, Streetheart, Honeymoon Suite, Fairgale, Lights, Arkells, Shenanigans, Celtic Connection, Celtic Connection, Masterless Men, The Navigators, The Flummies, Bump, Timber, The Impalas, Quiet Riot, Slaughter, Great White, Collective Soul. J.J. Wild, the Novaks, that was, what a show that was. Verve Pipe, Watchman, 5440. Violet, Beaches, the Beaches, Walk Off the Earth. And then the final day is a Bee Gees cover band, an ABBA cover band, and Billy and the Bruisers local act. But uh, just phenomenal. Now we'll have George Street Festival coming up. That's last week of July, first week of August, which was has been around for years as long as I remember, Iceberg Alley just started uh, four or five years ago. But And Iceberg Alley will come back in September and do that same thing. Ten days, three bands a day. 
just an, uh, an unbelievable time. So, and you know, the weather just opened up. Uh, we all, it was great. I go with my buddies, Connor and Cody Donahue. They're big music fans. We're actually going to see Noel Gallagher of Oasis this Sunday, is it? July 3rd. Okay, Monday. I have to go to Toronto on the 30th. My buddy Dave Roper is getting married, and we're going over to uh, have one last weekend with him before he ties the knot. bunch of guys from Mount Pearl. going to head to a uh, – oh, we're going to head around Toronto. We're going to do a few things. And I'm going to go to a couple of Jays games, and then uh, the, the Friday's Roper's little get-together. But uh, after that, the Jays are playing on Saturday, Canada Day. I'm going to go to that. And on Monday, like I said, me, Connor, Cody – Maybe uh, Z-Bonk, Zach O'Brien. And uh, I have a friend, Derica, from... Well, she spent a little bit of time in Shorzy. She's from North Bay. And uh, she's a big music fan as well. So I know that, at the very least, four or five of us are going to go. But uh, I'm sure I'll see a lot of people at the uh, Noel Gallagher concert that I will have come across before. I know there's a big Newfoundland fan base, and I know of a few guys that I think are going. So if you're in the area, there you go. Uh, that's where I'll be. And uh, if you want to have a chat, have a beer, take a pick or whatever, I'm going to be definitely at the Jays game on Saturday, on Canada Day, and then on Monday at that Noel Gallagher. So... In that, you know, I know a lot of you guys listening are from that area. And uh, like I said, I, I don't get to all the messages online. It's impossible. But uh, enjoy shooting the shit in public. And what better a place than an Oasis? Well, an O'Gallagher concert. He's going to play some Oasis. And uh, Jay's game. Not only Jay's game, but Canada Day. Really looking forward to that. But yeah, we had a great time. Speaking of Connor and Cody, anyway, we went down. So the night that uh, J.J. Wild opened up for Collective Soul, and uh, the Novaks opened up for, for all of it. Everybody ended up, all three. Uh, some of the guys from the Novaks and then J.J. Wild and her band and Collective Soul all ended up downtown. At, uh, we went to Greensleeves and then the Bull and Barrel. And um, had a great time at the Bull and Barrel. And uh, I've really enjoyed Collective Soul. I have most albums. They came into prominence in the mid-'90s when I was... Um, playing junior hockey in Tri-Cities, and a bunch of us listened to them and really followed their careers. They're from Atlanta, but the stuff we were listening to was the grunge stuff out of Seattle because we were right close to it. And, uh, you know, it kind of took over the world. Well, Collective Soul were part of that sound, and they went out there to record a little bit, And uh, but they were from Atlanta. So we uh, shot the shit a little bit about Atlanta, and uh, I told them the story of knocking my teeth out of my head with a hammer. They liked that one. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, some Atlanta Thrasher stories, Atlanta Knights. A lot of people forget Atlanta had, it's funny, they've had the, they've had uh, Atlanta Flames, Atlanta Thrashers. So they've had two NHL teams and die, both failed miserably. But they did have an Atlanta Knights team and maybe even more. But, like, minor league hockey, in my experience, has been fairly popular. Like, for a minor league team, the Atlanta Knights did all right. So you got to question, was it the, you know, was it the way both teams were being run? Was it the ownership? Uh, you know, because you would think the NHL would be a far easier ticket to sell. And from what I understand, 
the tickets in Atlanta weren't ludicrous. They weren't priced crazy high. Nowhere in the NHL is it uh, cheap to go to a game, but I mean, you know, some speaking of the Leafs and the Habs, I mean, come on, you know, it's hundreds of dollars. If you take three people, it's often over a thousand, right? Uh, take a couple of people, but whatever it would be, you know, we're talking two, three hundred minimum, I guess three now, and uh, and up from there, but uh. Just hearing people talk, I'm not really sure, but I know that the tickets in Atlanta wasn't really the, the the problem. They just couldn't get a lot of fans in there the last time. Now, what was the reason? What was the rink like? I don't really know. Um, I guess we'll never know in Phoenix because for another year, at the very least, they're playing in Mullet Arena with no signs of a new one coming. Why do they have an NHL team? I'm not sure. I really don't know. Phoenix is a nice place, but... Uh, we're going on 30 years here. It's not working, right? It's just not working. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Okay, for a question now from Johnny B. Good in San Diego. Johnny B. Good in San Diego. I've got to wonder if this is a buddy of mine that used to live in Newfoundland and he served at Trinity and his name is escaping me. But I would always uh, sing with... Uh, one of the acts that were up, and we often sang Johnny Be Good. Anyway, I believe it was Trent. <clears throat> but in any case, what is my ego? Oh, sorry, one sec. I'm, so I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> um, guys, when I just went to talk, literally... I saw a mouse run in front of me. I got the back door open and my cat, Princess, I have two Princess and Oreo, Princess was chasing it. And I realized what she was doing was like batting it around. She wasn't using her claws. So I'm like, that's weird. We have a mouse here. I mean, we do live, there's a river out back. It's a fairly wooded area. It doesn't surprise me there's mice around, but my cat usually had one of them. Usually he's on top of that. They bring him back right to the, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, anybody who has a cat, but they bring him back to the front, like birds and 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 mice, not not often birds, but it happens. 
but mice like every third day. So anyway, now, but it's usually that they're dead. But now that's the second time in a month that I've, I've seen a mouse thinking, well, I just then I was like, is that mouse stupid? But I was shit. It was just that it was stunned, I guess. And the cat was sure enough. Princess came around the corner, batted it into the cupboard there. I had to, uh, I had to deal with it. Anyway, the, the, the question was, what was my favorite punk album ever? I don't talk about punk music much. Well, I think I do here and there. Uh, but you know what? No, I don't. I don't talk about any music much anymore. I got to get back to that for people that want it. And I should put it at the end just before I sign off. Because then if you don't want to listen, you don't have to. But I won't bore the people jeering uh, that don't want to hear it. But anyway, uh, punk album. Okay. I'm going to say... I'm. I'm going to say London Calling by The Clash, okay? Now, that came out in 1980. Why would I say it? I like the topics. I don't... Kind of, they were rebelling. It, it's a really... What's the word? It's a contra... The album is almost a contradiction, like a lot of the punk stuff, because punk is almost anti-establishment. Meanwhile, this album must have gone on to sell like 20 million. I mean, I don't know, but... It made them a lot of money. But uh, I, I never really held that against bands. I mean, what are you going to do, right? But, you know, the whole feeling of punk kind of derives from unemployment, uh, civil unrest kind of thing, drugs, um, conflict, whether it be racial or more class, um, high class versus lower class, right? Uh I mean, I'm really, I'm spitballing here, but I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to give you big themes in, in, in punk music. I mean, that's part of the heart and soul of it, right? And then you got the whole, I don't give a fuck, like anarchy kind of whole punk movement. I mean, throwing beer bottles at the stage, fucking anti-establishment. You know, there was a lot going on, a lot of, much like the grunge movement with Cobain and company in the early 90s, right? Rebelling against the establishment, right? Here we are now, entertain us, right? Literally a lyric. Here we are now, enter fucking tain us. Well, punk's very similar not long before. So London Calling came out in 80. That would have been, and the clash are a fucking wicked, you know, God, the clash are deep. Not every punk band goes as deep. Um, they're, they're, I understand. They're, I know they're from overseas. I believe they're from London, England. I know they're from England. I think London. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm not alone. A lot of people would have said it. I, I've, I first came across it in the uh, Rolling Stones top Rolling Stone top 500 albums. So it was always there. I mean, there's an iteration done now every four or five years, but. My dad always had Rolling Stone, so it used to come out just in the magazine copy. Now it's like on its own. It's a standalone book that you can get at, at a bookstore whenever it comes out, right? But for but for this, I first, yeah, so I used to like, much like the top 100 movies, like on whatever critics list, and again, people snapping. I know that these aren't technically, like it's all subjective, but you got to start somewhere. So I'm like, if I, if I listen to the top like 100, 200 albums ever supposed to be, I will 
definitely expand my knowledge and have you know something to talk about people like people who like punk love the clash so literally i'm opening that door to everybody in the future that likes punk kind of thing and now from there so anyway i think it's a great album i'm gonna give you some of the tunes now london calling's definitely the biggest man that's a huge hit uh brand new cadillac jimmy jazz hateful rudy can't fall spanish bombs lost in the supermarket Clampdown. The Guns of Paul Brixton. Then you get side three and four now, which weren't released in the United States originally. Uh, Death or Glory, Coca-Cola, K-O-K-A, K-O-L-A. Uh, Four Horsemen, Lovers Rock, Revolution. Um, Revolution Rock, sorry. Train in Vain. There it is. So... My two favorites are Train in Vain and London Calling by a landslide. But it's it's not it's not necessarily an album that you're 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 listening to it for the hits. You're gonna recognize those two songs that I just mentioned, Train in Vain and London Calling. But it's really like an attitude. Listen to the lyrics, listen to where they're coming from. Like they're not bullshitting here. And this is early on with the clash. This isn't. <laughs> this isn't after they were established, had a career, and looked back at their career and were reflecting. This is a commentary on the way they saw society, the way they saw the social ladders. Like I said, um, kind of civil unrest. And as as they're as they're complaining about it, they're kind of fueling it, you know. And, and there's a beauty in that. There really is, uh, because they're bringing that opinion and attitude and dynamic force into the mainstream, even though they're fucking complaining about the mainstream and the establishment. They're pushing it aside and becoming the mainstream. So even though that's a bit hypocritical. And even though that might contradict the whole idea of some of the themes in there, I still think it's absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell you, by extension, I heard Billy Joe Armstrong talking about it. Now, he's the lead singer with and writes most of the music with Green Day. And Green Day had an album about 15 years after London Calling that I experienced as a teenager called Dookie. And... uh Dookie, for me, was similar. I mean, I call Green Day rock and roll, but I, I can see how they would be. So, I mean, definitely partially punk. I can see if it was influenced, but I didn't realize till talking to so many people that are into punk and like reading over these books and, you know, lists or whatever it might be. Like I said, it's subjective, but usually music is classified where it's going to be classified. And, you know, Green Day are rock, but I think a lot of people consider them more punk. So, if you were to, to include them in the punk genre, then I would definitely say that my second favorite punk album is Dookie. And uh, the the big, yeah, that had some hits on it. And uh, it has more to do with relationships and personal experiences. And the song Basket Case is about his buddy who's uh, actually in a, you would say, a a mental institution. Can I still say that? mental institution and uh 
Welcome to Paradise. Yeah, I forgot that. I'm looking at it now. When I come around, long view, like it's definitely, but punk by that time, you see, was, and, you know, it was more infused with rock, hence Green Day. And uh, it was, you know, it was more part of the mainstream, right? Uh, like I said, it's a contradiction, but that's the case. So grunge in my mind came in and that would be a, the, the biggest grunge like when pearl jam and, and and nirvana came in right that would be the grunge movement coming coming right through to creed which was all of a sudden that was big creed were almost like a parody of itself right like by by the early mid 2000s because again something hits that has an inspi inspiration behind it and then it becomes a money maker and a lot of copycats come in I don't hate Creed, but I'm just saying they're not Nirvana, they're not Pearl Jam. Um, Soundgarden, right? They were at the at the roots of all of it. Uh, Alice in Chains, like real heavy, but there's a grunge part there. And then Green Day came out of that and Collective Soul and branched out of that, right? And that would be punk. Punk also came from music called, a music genre called ska, and that's hard to define. Think think early. Oh, what's the name of the band? No Doubt, right? Now, No Doubt, Just a Girl, might sound Rocky Poppy. Oh, that's Gwen Stefani. Yeah, but, right, it spurts out of that punkish sound, right? It went one way with grunge. It went another with Gwen Stefani and No Doubt and kind of stayed on the tracks with Green Day. But you see how it's all kind of born out of revolt of some sort, out of angst, and usually teen angst when it comes to music because that's what's going to hit most of the time, right? The, the, the younger crowd's going to be playing it more. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying all music, but you know, a lot of times that's what's influenced, right? What's going on? What's being played in the clubs? Um, what are the fucking athletes listening to? What are the students listening to, right? I mean, that's usually what drives not only music, but a lot of culture, Right. It, it, so that's and once it becomes part of the wheel, it becomes part of it. And it's, you know, it's it's ever changing. Music's ever changing. But punk is definitely uh, a genre that I appreciate. Maybe even I would say underappreciate. Um, I don't talk about it much, but there are some bands that are very, very important in the history of rock and roll uh, that are punk, and it's just good music. Ramones, I like the Ramones. The the Sex Pistols are fucking great. Uh, the Misfits. Uh, the Stooges. Who did I love in the... Uh, oh, the, the Offspring, could you call them? Maybe. Uh, there was a, there was an all female band L uh, fuck L seven L seven my favorite pretend we're dead check that out you want to hear a good uh, guitar riff and a power power chord a powerful song listen to L seven pretend we're dead saw that live for the first time in Seattle fuck that was wild some people would say Dropkick Murphys eh, I think that's punkish Irish rock but you know it's See what I mean? It's all, I mean, what, can you really define everything? But most of these bands I'm naming, naming uh, Kinney are rancid. You know, most of the themes that I talked about are 
much on display with those bands, right? So more so than a lot of genres, I think punk music as much talks about its themes or is as much about its themes as it is about its instruments. Even though the instruments are important, usually it's the same ones in all those bands I mentioned. And it's hard. It's coming at you. Sometimes it's only three chords. Green Day is a lot of their songs are just three chords. Yeah, you know, but it's it's coming from somewhere. They're writing it out of passion, right? It's coming from something. Um, whereas, you know, and, and I think that, I, I think it should be. You know, punk, when I think punk, I don't just think sound. Punk music, punk, the punk attitude would be fucking anti-establishment. Whereas I don't know if you can get like a classic rock theme that's so interlaced with all the songs, right? Or jazz. Yes, we know what it sounds like, but is there one theme? I mean, you go way back country music, maybe a, a breakup and, you know, your truck broke down or you, you you broke up with somebody, you're having a beer. I'm not joking, like way, way back. Or even if you go to in the 60s, it was love and cars for a while, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of Elvis's songs are about love. Then the Beach Boys, you know, a lot of them there are about cars, right? Uh, but Jesus, uh, we'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes her T-bird away. Uh, they have a song called Giddy Up, Giddy Up 409. I'm driving my 409. Uh, little Deuce Coupe. Uh, little Honda. They're, they're, you know, um, surfing and driving. And, you know, that those were themes. But I don't know if any one of them can be just associated with that kind of music. Whereas punk, a lot of it is like, you know, sp go, go to a punk concert. That's exhilarating. I'll tell you that. Even if it's a nobody band in a downtown local, fucking go to it, check it out. I, uh, I enjoy it. Those bands have something to say, right? And even if they're past their prime, the lyrics, they had something to say when they wrote them. So there it is, a little bit of uh, punk action for you. We're going to be back in a couple days. I don't know who my guest is going to be because the next two days I'm doing some uh, work on Hudson and Rex, so which is a TV show here for those that don't know on CTV here in Canada. And uh, we, uh, I don't work permanently on the show, but here and there I do. It's been filmed in my backyard. And for a couple of years I worked on, on, on crew there. I was a set dresser. So, and, and I was, I, I was the villain, one of the villains in episode nine or 11 of, of season one. But then, uh, you know, my podcast took off and, and Shorzy happened and a few more opportunities. So I still do do some daily work there. I'm often, if you watch the show, you're familiar with what I mean. There's a, a SWAT team. So where my face is already burned, right? You've seen my face. So I can't really go and be another character, but whenever they need, uh, I think that's called special skills uh, or stunts or whatever when when you're when you're you know i'm a i'm a officer with a gun you know i i look like a member of the swat that's what i am so i do that once in a while and uh here and there if they need somebody on set dressing or whatever it might be there's a lot of shows going on son of a critch just started back up again so uh i'm looking forward to that but uh, the next couple days i'm going to be basically when you're on set you're you're uh for the most part, uncontactable. And then Thursday will be my last day before I leave to go to Toronto. 
So my guest is going to be one of a bunch, and it just depends on how much time I have to do some research tomorrow. I'd love to get Paul Romanuk on, um, you know, a Canadian broadcasting legend, really. I, I, I don't think I'm going too far in saying that. But he has a podcast called The Walrus Was Paul, and it's all about the Beatles. And I got to listen to more, and I have to educate myself before I have him on because I'm going to talk as much about that as I am his sports experiences and working at TSN and, uh, you know, his whole experience in, in the media. But uh, tune in. It should be a good one. And uh, like I said, I'll be in Toronto on Friday. I'll be there till next Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I'm going to jet over to Montreal. Actually, I'm going to train over, if you want to know the rights of it, to Montreal and see Penny Lane. And she's uh, going to be playing in, uh, I thought it was a national tournament. It is, but there's some, some teams from the United States. She's playing with Team Newfoundland. It's her first uh, experience in actually playing for the team. They tried out for this almost a year ago. And the year before that, they she made it, but there was no games because of COVID. So here we are, like a year and a half into her experience of being on the provincial team. And uh, there's six of them from Mount Pearl, from the team she plays on. And they are just pumped. And I'm really pumped for them to to get. It's one thing to represent your your province or, your, sorry, your town. It's another thing to represent your province. And, uh, you know, she's, she's going to be a striker on the team and by all accounts going in she's going to play an important role i you know they're they're only going with so many so uh, they'll all play so i'm excited so that's where i'll be and if you're uh in montreal or, or vicinity or, or uh, toronto this weekend montreal next and you know where i'm going to be follow my instagram story and by all means let's have a chat i like getting off the island and and uh, chatting with some hockey fans shorzy fans with uh, or whatever it might be it's a great time for it Really enjoy the summer, and I'm looking forward to seeing my friends this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and so forth in T.O. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I'm really looking forward to Noel Gallagher and the Blue Jays. If you're downtown St. John's, you want a beer? Why not go to Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub? Go check out Rob Roy. Go check out Martini Bar. Of course, Green Sleeves. I'm in Green Sleeves almost every time I go down. I love that place. And drop by and see some live music. Uh, speaking of live music, the Bull and Barrel, one of the best holes in the wall in the world. I guarantee you. Go check it out if you're in town, the Bull and Barrel. If you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not do it at Merchant Tavern? Why not do it at Blue on Water? Why not do it at Wedgwood Cafe? And if you're going to work out, do your working out at Power Conditioning right here in St. John's on Rope Walk Lane. Strength and balance for the body and mind. If you want Mr. Lube, there's two locations. One's on Torbay Road. One is on Cam Mount Road. Live, laugh, lube, pitbullpainrelief.com. Go there. Check out the pain sticks that just won't quit. Pitbull Pain Relief. I absolutely love them. I swear by them. And I use them almost every day of my existence. Because I'm active, and you know what? I'm most active at hockey. And speaking of hockey, true hockey, take what's yours. Thanks, boys. I'm loving the gear. I'm loving the twigs. For everybody else, I'll see you guys again in just a couple of days. Thanks for listening to 159A, Tales with TR. Catch you on the rebound.